welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone is doing well. This episode is yet again a little bit later than I wanted it to be, but there's a lot to cover here. Uh, this episode, we're going over the shows from the spring anime season, what I decided to keep, what I decided to drop. Uh, and since there's been a relative lack of content from me this year, I'll do my give you double and actually do a lowdown on the winter anime shows that I'm working my way through after kind of taking a season off. Uh, since I've been busy with work and other things in life these days, it's going to be mostly focused on the first episode impressions and a few three episode impressions presence were necessary, even though we're like two-thirds to three-fourths of the way through the season at this point, lol. Um, I mean, I have caught up on probably a handful of shows already I'm up to date already on, but again, this will be limited to the first couple of episodes, which is when I wrote these notes down. Um, also, given that Funimation and Crunchyroll have combined libraries at this point, I won't mention where you can stream it unless it happens to be on High Dive. Um, so yeah, let's just hop straight in. I have like 14 pages of notes I need to get through. Uh, first up, the sequels to shows that didn't really need much thought whether or not I would be watching them or not. Um, obviously, the, the big sequel this year, this season, is Kaguya-sama Season 3. Um, I'm up to date on the manga. Second season got an- the, the sequel anime of the season when it came out a couple of years ago, so this one's a no-brainer for me to follow. Um, I'm particularly excited for where the season's episodes should wrap up around the school festival arc, uh, but no more spoilers for me here. Uh, definitely check this one out. Um, it's just a load of fun. Uh, beyond that, most sequels I haven't seen the first episode season of either partly or in their entirety uh, were Shadow Flame, uh, Shadowverse Flame, Yu-Gi-Oh! Rush, Love Life 2, Sealed Heroes Second Season, uh, though I've heard that one's kind of dropped off a little bit, uh, Data Life 4, Komi-san Season 2, um, because I never watched it the first half on Netflix because of the uh, du- the subbing issues, um, Demon Girl Next Door Season 2, Science Fell in Love Season 2, The Dawn of the Witch, which apparently is more of a spin-off than a sequel, but still based on some characters I don't really have an attachment to isn't really enough to sell me there. Uh, Kyokai Senkai Season 2, A Sentence of a Bookworm Season 3, which I am meaning on catching up to, it's just, you know, taking a while, um, and then Sin Ikitosen. Um, there are also two shows I actually was interested in watching and following along with, but unfortunately, uh, there is not a legal streaming service here in the U.S. that I can simulcast them on. Um, no, it's not Netflix this time. Uh, Disney has entered the anime game, picking up Black Rock Suit of Dawnfall and Summertime Render, which actually Summertime Render apparently is one of the best ones this season. But unfortunately, it picked them up only in Japan. And so there's no clue whether or not they'll come stateside anytime soon. And so I'll have to be on hold watching those uh, for now, unfortunately. Uh, as always, there are a couple of sorts this season. One that I'm watching, one I'm dropping, and one I'm not sure about yet. Um, John Tama Pong Sword is a sword based off a mobile Mahjong game. Now, I've actually played this game. Um, there isn't really much story. Uh, it is Mahjong. It's mostly just Mahjong. It just basically follows antics of these anthropomorphized avatars of the game, uh, mixed with some Mahjong references and Literally, the episodes are like a minute and a half long or so. So, you know, I mean, there's not much time invested in overall, so I might as well just finish it. Um, and then there's Onipan, which is a 15-minute sword about some Oni ambassadors, who happen to be cute girls, of course, uh, who go around trying to improve the re- reputation of Oni in the modern world. They do so by helping people in times of need by putting on... Uh, Magical Ponsu, which transforms their costume. Um, this one apparently airs in three-minute segments as part of a daily kids' television program in Japan, and the 15-minute episodes are basically the compilation of those episodes for one week. Um, honestly, this is a little bit longer than what I'd like a sort to be, right? I mean, you know, one minute, maybe five minutes is is, is pretty not much t- investment, um, but getting past the 12-minute mark is definitely, you know, it's less than 24 episode minutes for a weekly, so it's still not by much. Um, the first episode seemed cute enough, but knowing it's really tor- targeted toward the kids' audience makes me hesitant to dig in further. I mean, it's not like kids' shows can be engrossing. See, Poi Poi Molkar, for example, which, my god, Poi Poi Molkar is getting a second season this year. But anyway, Poi Poi Molkar was also unique in its craftsmanship and surpassing the limitations of basically non-verbal storytelling, uh, which isn't something Onipan does, unfortunately. So, kind of torn on this one. And then you have something I'm not torn on at all, Kendama Master Ken, basically a sit post of an anime. It reminds me in ways of Inferno Cop, but not in the best ways. It has the same low, so random sense of humor and narrative, but it kind of leans hard into the anime tropes it's attempting to parody without really saying anything beyond like, oh, look how ridiculous these tropes are. Um, it's like knowingly winking at us in, in the way like, oh, we're in on the joke, but it's not, it's, it's kind of doing it in a gross way. So the studio behind this doesn't really have much of a filmography to date, so I guess that's to be expected. Um, this is one of the rare anime this season on High Dive, though, if you want to check it out. 
Okay, sorts aside, let's hop into the full length. So, so I'll just separate these by genre, and within genre, go in order from those I've basically dropped to those that I'm keeping, and in between those I'm uh, not sure about. So first up, we have the science fiction genre, uh, which this season tends toward the darker and grittier shows. Um, Stab Life, The Great Escape, is about a fictional future where humanity lives in isolated clusters from each other, and a group of cute girls, of course, help people illegally move from one cluster to another by subverting some AI, police AI, to help them establish their life. Cue the title drop. Um, separate from where they had lived before. Now, on top of an already shaky premise and world building, which seems to opt for a rule of cool than any actual logic, uh, the show is hampered by somewhat lackluster CG animation. Not as bad as X-Arm, for, for example, but still in that uncanny valley where it just seems cheap and low quality. Characterization felt as sallow for the for the, the, the lead characters, uh, though to be fair, I only watched one episode, but hey, they didn't do a good job on selling me why I stick around, so I won't. Now, next on this category, I decided that uh, isn't quite a sci-fi show, but it has a similar feel to it, and, so, and, and a lot of similar kind of shows in the genre do have sci-fi elements. A Tomodachi game has a simple premise, you know, a group of five friends are taken to a facility secretly where it's revealed one of them has a massive debt. Um, no one, they don't know, they don't reveal who it is, um, but that debt can be paid off only if the five friends split the debt evenly and play some games that allow them to lower the debt total. Um, definitely some squid game reverse squid game vibes over here. Um, the catch is that the games are meant to essentially test the loyalty and friendship of these friends toward each other as it exposes cracks in their relationships. On its surface, it seems like the low, like the edgy, dark battle royale psychological games, like say Osama, which never really turned out that well. Um, looking a little bit deeper, though, actually, at least on the first game in the first episode, there's a lot of clever potential here for game theory and mindfuckery that could approach Death Note's level of of deception and counter deception. For production wise, it's not that bad, honestly. It has pretty interesting visuals, and you know, though it's not obviously, it's a lot more monologuing and not a ton of action. Um, honestly, I think if I were into this genre a little bit more and you know, I probably like this one a lot. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of anxiety, I think, involved here. And, and, and knowing that some friends are going to end up backstabbing each other, this feels all around. I'm not in the mood for that right now, um, given the state of the world. So, you know, it, 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 the passing on this is more on me and my state of mind as opposed to the actual quality of the film. Um, so, you know, if you're interested, I would, I would check that out. Now, moving on to the romance genre, you know, that's something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, now, this generally has a little bit of a higher bar to clear for me, right? Um, romances can go wrong in a lot of ways for me. The romance can be too centered on pointless, mindless drama for the sake of drama, which at their worst is just pure dumpster fire. Um, you know, this harem nonsense where the main character can't commit to anyone and the whole will they, won't they, who will he end up with is just dragged on for way too long. Um, there's romance where it's just purely pointless fluff. I mean, I appreciate good fluff here. Here and there, but with those, but I think fluff still needs some sort of conflict that they have to deal with in order to move to a resolution. But it also has to not feel trite. Um, on the flip side, no, there are also romances where they move too fast and make you feel like they're only together because the story says they should be together, but you don't actually feel the chemistry or history behind them. Honestly, I like romance as a subplot for a larger story, or you know, if you count Kaguya as, as a romance, the romance is used as a means of actual character development of the individuals, uh, and ways they grow outside of that relationship is also just as important. Um, and the relationship is also used as a way to deliver you know, jokes or drama, but for me, usually jokes. Um, so, you know, for the most part, romances this season have basically missed for me. Um, we have Aharen is indecipherable. It's about a girl who speaks so softly that her seatmate has to go with the actual one to try and befriend her. Uh, kind of like a budget Komi-san. Um, a couple of Kukos is, uh, or Kukos is uh, setting itself up to be this generation's Nisikori slash domestic girlfriend, where the main character is switched at birth, and for some reason, later in life, his, par the, his birth parents and his adopted parents basically decide to have him and the person he switched birth at birth with get engaged to each other. Uh, add in his uh, adopted sister realizing, hey, Oni-san isn't actually my Oni-san, and also a longtime academic rival um, getting on the accent, and yeah, it's basically Nisekoi. Um, Sikimori's Not Just Cute is about a guy who's very unlucky, very clumsy, and he somehow has this girlfriend, Sikimori, who's very cute, but also has her moments of badassery coolness, hence the title. And it's basically just so showcasing these moments. Um, notably, this one's by uh, Cute Girl, Cute Thing Studio, Dogo Kobo. Um, now, all of these are, I think, enjoyable in their own way, and if you're a romance fan, you're definitely eating well this season, but 
I think they all lack something for me perking that keeps me invested in the core central relationship to get me to keep watching. Like, Aharana is just, okay, there isn't really, like, that, that, that's like the teasing building up to the relationship and it's like, okay, they're not really moving it along, right? Um, couple of cuckoos, there's just like, okay, that harem nonsense. And then Sikimori's not cute. I don't really feel the sense of chemistry between the two. Um, it's just Sikimori just being a badass, basically, which isn't enough for, I think, a full manga for me. Uh, there is one uh, romance I'm kind of interested in this season, aside from Kaguya-sama. Um, it's Love After World Domination. Basically, imagine a Power Ranger show where the Red Ranger and a teenage high school, Rita Repulsa, are secretly in a relationship, both, and it's both their first relationship. Um, obviously, they need to keep it secret from everyone, be it the, uh, the evil organization she works for or the other Rangers, while they figure out their feelings for each other and what it means to date. Um, this one has a bit more potential than in that the relationship between the two grows at a fairly decent pace while also not rushing too fast. Um, and they also do a good job of mixing in realistic relationship conflicts and resolution in a somewhat absurd premise. Um, the premise in and of itself actually goes a long way, I think, to making this one enjoyable since there are a lot of nods to classic tokukatsu tropes, which are fun to keep an eye out for, such as you know enemy baddies having a base and weird kit monster designs, but also a dorm for their goons. And then the rangers have their classic base and archetypes as well. I would like to see a little bit more on the side characters. You know, I think another thing about romances is that if it's just in the main two characters, it just kind of gets boring in one note after a while. You really need some good side characters to provide some contrast for them to bounce off of. Um, it's why I ended up watching, uh, um, what's it, the one, the the college girl with the opai, I forget what the name of the series, Uzaki-chan. I ended up watching Uzaki-chan um, because of the side characters here. And I think, you know, the first three episodes I watched of Love After World Domination didn't quite give us enough of these side characters, though apparently the preview for the fourth episode, I think, adds them a little bit more. So um, right now, and, you know, uh, Right now, I have this one, um, you know, a little bit on hold, right? So I'm not dropping it per se, but because it's already late in the season and I still have to catch up on the other shows, this isn't in the highest priority for me to watch at the moment. Um, whether or not I get to it will depend on how much time I have, um, but I'd rather to, I'd like to finish it rather than let it just linger and plan to watch. Um, also, this one is by Studio Project Number Nine, which is quickly rising up my rankings of studios after a hits like Jakuchara and Higehiro. So I definitely like to give those one another chance. Now, in the same plane as romance, cute, fluffy anime basically sells itself as in the premise of making you feel good because there's not really that much conflict and not a lot of, not a lot of plot, but a lot of cute, cute, usually cute girls doing cute things, though not always. Um, the best ones, again, again, on top of the few cute ones, have some actual character development and, and something you can take away from it beyond, oh, look how adorable they are. Now, one that did not do that this season is the In the Heart of Kunoichi Tsubaki, which is about a female ninja Tsubaki who has never met a man before as her village is all girls. And then the premise is that she basically has to deal with her raising curiosity-driven hormone or hormonal-driven curiosity about men despite being told all their life that they are dangerous. Could not make it through one ep full episode that, since this is basically the same joke after joke about tee-hee, they're also clueless about guys and all flutter flutter in their hearts and they don't know why. Um... You know, there's never gonna you know there's never gonna be any resolution if she ever actually meets any guys. It's just gonna be the same joke over and over. The character designs also really I think there's somebody's kink is definitely not mine. Uh, so definitely hard pass on this one. Uh, slightly more wholesome, cute girls doing cute things, we have Healer Girl. Um, now, this one follows a world where musical medicine exists. Basically, there are healers who can sing at you to heal your uh, ailments, and it's treated as another branch of medicine. Uh, the main characters are three girls who are apprentice healers in the quest to become master healers. The real unique selling point on this one is that it's basically a Broadway musical at points where there are just segments where they go all out with the voice actresses singing their lines like in, in dialogue. Not just a song during where they would need to heal patients, but like, you know, singing day-to-day -day life. Uh, you've probably seen clips uh, of, you know, say episode three where they're reviewing items for an exam and it's all done in song and that's actually really well done. What so loses me a bit, I think, is everything around those where I can't grab, grasp what it's trying to say, right? Like, the plot is, oh, we're going to do our best to become healers. It doesn't say anything why they want to become healers. It doesn't see, say anything about what healing means beyond, oh, you have to do good to help people. Right? It's like, look how pretty these girls are, how great they sing. Isn't it awesome? 
if the world was just like a little bit more fleshed out or there's a little bit more actual conflict, it feels, it would maybe stick with it, but it feels just rather surface level beyond the concept of, hey, singing is a medical field. I think this is one where I'll probably maybe look up clips of the song segments of the show without actually watching the full thing, um, just for the performance elements. If you want like a musical Broadway type show, I would say Starlight Review is definitely uh, the one you should be checking out, um, which coincidentally, I'm going to go see the movie of that later this, this weekend, but that's neither here nor there. Now, not all fluff is cute girls doing cute things. Um, the Aiman is a show about a failed-out guitar player in Tokyo who comes home to the countryside to his family's sweet shop to maybe take it over when he, when, uh, he hears his dad is sick. Turns out his parents, or his dad specifically, is planning on letting uh, this girl that they've adopted take it over since he's been so conscientious. Um, said girl seems rather closed off due to being abandoned by her birth father, um, who also played guitar many years ago. Um, and, you know... And the story begins with basically him and her, you know, starting to soften their relationship and, and start to heal each other and, and figure out what they want in life. Now, episodes two and three, there are other side characters, right, adding in, and they have their own trauma who, through Japanese sweets, uh, you get a sweet, uh, you, they, they, they work through those traumas, and you got a sweet recipe for a so setup. Reminds me a little bit of Barakamon, one of my favorite all-time anime, about how a young girl and a, a young, an adopted father figure kind of complete each other and help each other grow um, while getting out of the city. Now, granted, Barakamon, uh, it was mostly the father figure getting healed, um, uh, where it's a little bit, here it's a little bit of both more on the scales tipped in the little girl's favor, which makes it feel a little bit more dark and a little bit more sad. But that's not a strike against it per se. It might just be something I'm not in the headspace for at the moment. But that being said, everything else about this show makes me really want to watch it uh, to the point where, you know, right now I have nine shows that I'm actually actively watching feature length, full length. Um, I'll probably, you know, if I were to say... 10th shows, um, this will probably be that 10th one, um, assuming I can get in that right mindset. Now, one of the shows I am locking on that frankly I wasn't expecting to be uh, is Miss Satsuku and the Little Baby Ghost. Uh, this one tells the story of a corporate slave who, after spending many late nights in the office alone, meets a cute and adorable baby ghost girl who does her best to scare said corporate slave for her own good to go home. Of course, this her being so cute and Japanese work culture being what it is, corporate, Miss Corporate Slave does not, and she actually decides to stay in the office much later and work that much harder for the sake of the little girl because she's so motivated. Now, based off of the opening and what we see of the first three episodes, we're going to get some more supernatural babies. Um, this one actually has a similar vibe to Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, um, except replace busty dragons with cute baby girls' uh, spirits. It doesn't quite have the same animation level, but then again, what if they're not Kyo Annie, how could they? Um, but the deep, the, and it doesn't have the deep characterization either of Dragon Maid. But you know, the cute factor here is really dialed up to eleven, um, past eleven, probably to like like twenty one or something. And honestly, it's a great show. I think when you're falling asleep, to kind of like vibe to and relax to. Um, it honestly knows what it wants to be, and it doesn't reach too far beyond that. But what it does do, it executes supremely well. So this one, I think, is a keeper for me as, as something very light and fluffy. Now, if Cute Girls Doing Cute Things is one form of, escape of escapism, uh, the fantasy and isekai anime genre are on the other end of that spectrum, but still escapism. Now, here I'm combining these two technically separate genres, as many isekai series happen to take place in the medieval fantasy world, and honestly, the isekai doesn't really matter for most of the time, so it's the point where they're functionally the same and the isekai part doesn't really matter. Uh, first up, we have The Greatest Demon Lord Reborn as a Typical Nobody. Honestly, it's been so long since I watched the first episode of this, uh, and it made such a little impression on me. I can't actually tell you what happened. I think looking at the looking at the first episode notes from Reddit, it, I, my temp memory is temporarily jogged. That it's basically a budget misfit of the Demon King Academy, minus the racism and the main character having maybe half as much swagger as Anna's Voldigod. Kind of ironic, given that this one's also made by Silverlink. Um, but you know. If it's not clear, I don't really have any interest in trying to watch this one um, since it's super generic and, and honestly the title itself, you could probably tell, is super procedurally generated. Uh, next up, RPG uh, RPG Real Estate, um, which is basically the story of a real estate agency run by adventurers to help their clients find the perfect house in this fantasy world. If this sounds familiar, it's because there was a show a couple seasons ago about a dragon looking for his perfect house. Now, granted, this one uh, follows multiple clients, while the first one followed one specific client. Um, 
Now, however, this one looks like mostly more less about actual real estate logistics, which actually could be of interesting anime in and of itself if done properly. More just cute girl doing cute things shenanigans, which some very sticky fan servers based on what I've seen from clips of episode two. As of the uh, as far as with the other cute fluff stuff I, I mentioned, it's just fluffs for fluff's sake. Um, and, and and if it is going to be that, it better be the fluffiest fluff that's ever fluffed. Um, but you know, this one's just kind of aimless wandering, so this one's a pass for me. Uh, the last so I'm passing on this category is Don't Hurt Me, My Healer, which is basically about a young advent- an adventurer who's in a party uh, with a healer who is very bad at her job and also kind of arrogant, uh, which is definitely a winning co- combination. Uh, sarcasm, if you can't tell it from my voice. Um, this one's structured a bit like a manzai comedy, so, you know, a straight man and a funny man, um, which, you know, if is, is very a culturally specific form of comedy that I think is a bit of a hard sell if the jokes don't land, and, you know, comedy being very subjective this one isn't really my th- cup of tea um and add that to a c- unlikable healer character on top of the jokes i don't find funny there's not really any reason for me to be keeping this one uh, moving to the shows i'm on the fence about you know kind of like the i don't want to drop them quite yet but i'm not prioritizing them over other shows um we have skeleton knight in another world basically overlord at home you know a video game play- character of an mmo one day is playing a, uh, a skeleton avatar with a lot of mythic gear he's transported to a world in the game as the avatar of the character hence the skeleton appearance he's super jazzed about being in an rpg um and goes around doing good um i do wish they kind of kept the skeleton bit a little bit more relevant basically Basically, it's at this point it's just a reason for him to keep his helmet on all the time for I guess animation purposes um, but otherwise just because he's so powerful there's no actual tension um, the only reason I haven't dropped it yet is that you know by the end of episode 3 there actually seems to be a broader conspiracy that our, I'm sure our character is going to get wrapped up in maybe unwittingly um, and he's going to deal with this problem and so it's not going to be just pure aimless wandering it's actually a goal he's going to be working toward it looks like um, also looks like he might be getting a party soon which could be interesting with some fun character in those actions um, a little bit slow right pacing wise and honestly I think that's why it's lower my list of priorities but also not completely unredeemable uh, next up, we have the third in as many seasons of uh, of kingdom building anime. Basically, uh, you know, this is kind of like I got reincarnated as a slime or Log Horizon. You know, someone is brought. It's less on the action and combat and more on the logistics of actually managing a kingdom, civilization style. Um, you know, we had realist hero. We had genius persuading a kingdom out of debt. This one is I'm quitting heroing. Um, I here refers to the protagonist uh, of who was the former hero of a kingdom who defeated the demon lord's army. Um, the reason I say former hero is because after doing so, he was kicked out of the kingdom because uh, people feared his power. And so he takes his talent right back to the same demon kingdom, uh, demon lord army he just defeated and promises the lieutenants that he's going to help them take revenge on his former kingdom. Um, they make him a temp uh, worker so that they can justify him working uh, for them uh, and prove his worth uh, to the demon lord. Um, you know, it's a fun premise. You know, the actual logistics, somewhat wishy-washy um, from what I've seen so far, but better logistics, I think, than genius prince raising a kingdom out of debt um and again the character interactions are pretty fun um on the fence you know i think i want to go back and finish realist hero uh first um but you know this one i think is 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 not uh, again irredeemable entirely now i think looking on from the history of isekai at least from sao onward you know there are isekai that took themselves seriously, right? That's uh, that's the SAO period. And then you had the period where it was kind of cool to poke fun in parody and just at the tropes of isekai and the people knowing, oh, I'm in an isekai, let me do all this, right? Turning those tropes up to 11 knowing in a knowing wink. Um, and some of those were pretty good, but some of those were good, but most of them were kind of horribly generic. We've gotten to the point, though, where I think being that generic, you know, parody isekai about isekai is not good enough anymore. And I don't, and, and, and that's basically lazy at this point. So you have to take yourself seriously, I think, as an isekai, but you can't be purely generic power fantasy, right? There has to be some sort of unique selling proposition to stand out. Um, and, you know, these last two fantasy isekai, I think, fit that bill. So, life in Otome games is hard for mobs. You know, again, we had Hamifura, right? Um, which is a, a protagonist reincarnated into the world of a dating simulation. Um, you know, pretty boys and all that. Um, I've, I've read the manga to this one. Actually, I'm, I'm caught up to it. So, that's another reason I'm probably going to be watching this regardless. But here, the protagonist is uh, reborn into the dating world. Um, 
the difference between this and Hamifura is in Hamifura, the protagonist liked the game and then was reborn as the villain and then used the knowledge of the game to try to avoid um, to avoid becoming uh, killed as the villainess, um, but ended up accidentally making a harem of her own. Um, here, the protagonist uh, hated the game uh, that he was playing. He dated because he was kind of blackmailed to by his uh, younger sister. Um, and then also, he instead of being reborn as the uh, as one of the main characters, he's reborn as a faceless mob faceless mob character in the background now knowing what's coming ahead again no spoilers but i'll say here the world building is actually fairly well developed here uh, with the nature of the otome game being fleshed out in the politics of the world and you know the main character using those systems to his advantage um though and again it never feels as though he's guaranteed to win so it's not a pure power fantasy but he does get his come up which i think is what a lot of people are wanting from an isekai um when you know people underestimate him so you know i would say the weakest point of this adaptation is honestly the character designs the eyes just look really weird to me and i think everyone else but if you can get past that, I recommend this one for sure, just based on the story. You know, plus there's also a lot of hand-drawn mech-to-mech combat, which when would you expect mech combat in an isekai? So that's like 50% of the way for me to getting to at least check out your show for a couple of episodes. Um, this last fantasy is actually on High Dive, The Executioner, and Her Way of Life. Uh, this one follows a world where isekai to Japanese students are actually fairly common, uh, to the point where they've isekai so often that the culture of the world um, has shifted. To the, it explains why people eat Japanese food, why they speak Japanese, and so on. Um, however, you know, as your isek- typical isekai student has insurmountable power that would, you know, pose a threat to the world. Uh, there was a sect of executioners who tied to a religious order who basically assassinate any isekaiers uh, before they uh, grow into their power and destroy the world. Now, I watched the first three episodes of this one, and the story basically follows this executioner who, for one reason or another, cannot kill uh, her next mark um, because of the powers without raising any suspicion. Um, so, you know, in order to uh, in order to get, to complete the task, they had to go on a journey. Um, now, that character, that adds to a whole interesting character dynamic where, you know, she has this mark who she's trying to kill. He does a taking time bomb where you're told that this character, that this uh, isekai is going to end up potentially killing the world. So, will this assassination, this executioner, develop feelings, develop you know friendship with this with this isekaiyer who she's supposed to kill or not? How that's going to come about? Um, it's really already interesting. Add in there's actually a pretty decent magic rule system. It looks like, and the animation isn't half bad. I think this is a hidden gem. I think goes beyond your typical isekai power fantasy, which some real drama involved, and also again turns a lot some of the tropes of isekai on its head. Now, technically, this this first show in the next category may be an isekai if you consider time travel to be isekai. Uh, but regardless, it's your boy Kong Ming, uh, again, airing on High Dive. This one is kind of a not-so-secret uh, secret of the season. has a banging OP and ED, which added a lot to its popularity. Kind of zany premise, right? Uh, there's the ancient Three Kingdoms manager, uh, General Kong Ming, Komei, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's transported to modern-day Shibuya and uses his tactician's mind to essentially help a young singer achieve its stardom in energy entertainment industry. Um, honestly, not much more to say here. The premise is just crazy enough to work, um, and there's some really cool uh, song sequences already throughout. I don't know about, but after, you know, Zombieland Saga, I'm willing to give any, and what this genre I'm calling is the uh, idol manager uh, genre, um, a little bit of a shot. You know, plus it's also PA works. They always have great animation and production quality, so that, that's at least what you can expect here. Uh, funnily enough, the other idol show this season also is about idol management. Uh, to be a real heroine follows a young girl who moves to Tokyo in high school to pursue her dream of becoming a track star. In order to not burden her family with her living costs, she takes up an extra job on the side uh, to be man- and it turns out that the job is to be a manager in training to two up-and-coming idols. Um, now, plot twist: uh, one, the two idols are actually her two classmates um, who don't seem to particularly get along, and two, she actually doesn't know that much about idols, which kind of makes her immune to their charm so that kind of like three uh those three musketeers uh stage where you know they're going to slowly open up to her she's going to open up to them and and fix them up um again it's another story of a crazy uh manager and then and then and then conventional and unconventional idols add in the story of a youth pursuing her dreams and this one is a winner in my book 
Now, you know, part of this is is that you know, she is a track star, and and, and that's kind of another overlap between this and the next genre, right? Um, I mean, idol management shows are a very specific niece of, of anime, dealing a lot with the mechanics of the idol industry, um, but it's kind of a part of a broader, you know, genre of hobby sport anime, right? You know, shows like ISIL 21, to Sosuke Kikino Soma, these shows are centered around a very specific hobby or niece interest. Um, it's an avenue to either bring attention to that interest or use the niece interest as a way to tell a character-driven story. Um, however, the real winners of this genre are those that are able to do both, right? They're able to make you get invested in the in the, in the the hobby, in the sport that maybe you weren't otherwise, but also have compelling stories and it's not just a pure execution task, right? So there's some bias for, that I'll have towards those that are already on a topic I'm already interested in, um, but I'm going to also give a so if it will be able to teach me the fundamental nuts and bolts of why things matter and why it's interesting. The more it shows me why it's, the more it shows me that it's cool versus telling me it's cool, I think that's another part of of what makes it able to be enjoyable and again also if it's able to add on that character element and using these you know these these stories these arcs these tournament arcs these these matches these games as ways of character development that's something else that i'm also looking for as well so um but yeah again also if it's being something i'm familiar with could also be a double-edged sword where if it uses it in name but doesn't actually get into the weeds with it i could just get bored of it very quickly as like a not serious adaptation so starting with a show I dropped uh, after the first episode this season, Love All Play is about badminton. A big part of why I dropped it is, frankly, it's the second show in as many seasons about badminton, the other being Salary Man's Club from last season. Now just comparing the two, you know, first episodes against each other, Love All Play set on the high school, school badminton team, a cliche protagonist who has potential, never was ever challenged really as a kid, and he couldn't bring it out, but now he has the opportunity to sign when, you know, put up against other strong high schoolers to hone his skills with like a knife. Uh, you've got a, what looks to be a group, mixed group of other talented characters with their own personality traits, though mostly done through character design as opposed to showing them in action, and one rival who the main character wants to surpass. Now, on the other hand, Salaman's Club is, instead of high school, focused on uh, adults working in the corporate sponsored teams. And they're also, you know, in addition to, you know, being the best at badminton, you have to have, like, work-life balance and be a good employee as well, right? You're the main character working on uh, trauma from his past, uh, you know, being to be him. And, you know, he previously was a single a doubles player. Trauma caused him to become a singles player, but this is him returning to doubles for one reason or another. That, that, that hook for the second, right? It's adult players, one who already has trauma they're dealing with, um, kind of like a, a gymnastic samurai from a couple seasons ago. Focus on doubles as opposed to singles, you know. Um, it's already more engaging, but I think what really puts Salary Man over the edge for me is that it really made the badminton seem cool and, and sexy, frankly. Um, and, it, 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 and it does it without ever really giving, going over the explicit word-by-word commentary of what's happening. Um, it doesn't tell you, oh, this is cool to watch. It shows you it's cool, cool to watch badminton. And it really gives you just enough to understand why this particular move they're pulling off is so pivotal, right? Um, and again, just the badminton and love all play just lacked the impact for me. So if I'm going to try and watch one badminton show, it's probably going to be the former uh, Salaryman Club and not love all play. And now there were a couple of shows I gave three episodes to um, because there were some promise, but ultimately I ended up dropping them for one reason or another. Um, Dance, 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 sure was one. You know, this one had potential. You know, it's a MAPA production and certainly looks impressive, if, if nothing else. While it wasn't, I didn't do ballet, I do have some familiarity with dance. I was willing to give it a shot. Um, and I can appreciate some of the conflicts they were showing in the first couple of episodes. What turned me off is that after the first three episodes, you know, the main character has, you know, he... He has commitment issues where he doesn't want to commit to dance. He wants to commit to other stuff, but he loves dance. Da, da, da. And he's like, wishy washy. He's like, okay, it's three episodes, dude. Make a choice and get to the actual dancing, right? Um, and while there is appreciation for the mom dance coach, which I have seen actual mom dance coaches like that, frankly, all the characters just don't really seem likable to me at all, which is a huge turnoff for what supposedly is a character driven drama through dance. Um, you know, also, not against, not, not Tamara's fault, but I think the original character designs, the next are just really distracting with how long they are. You know, add in, and then as far as how impressive they made the dance look, I mean, again, Mappa makes things look good. The dance was fine. The dance segments were interesting enough, but it just like that extra something to make you, you know, especially if something expecting from Mappa, something that really puts you over the edge. Like the raw physicality of even just moving the the playing piano with your lion April was just more engaging than this, I think. Um, so yeah, aside from the, aside from like, maybe like in the very, very first episode. Um, but yeah, a little bit lackluster and I didn't do enough to get me to stick around. 
Uh, similar to how Dance Dance Dancer had a big name to you know, drive interest to it, uh, Fanfare of Adolescence is a show about uh, horse jockey racing um, and had Hiroki Sawano's name to it for, as, the, as the composer. Alas, even the Sawano score is not enough to salvage this. Well, there was a little bit of BL teasing in the first episode that was kind of hilarious, actually, um, at, how, at how out of nowhere it came. The first episode just had like a it had a semi-decent horse racing scene. Everything else afterwards was just, you know, barely explained the mechanics of horse racing in a way that made it seem, it didn't seem engaging at all. You know, there was this actual race and they was just like giving Colin commentary. I don't actually understand what's happening at all or barely understanding. It doesn't seem exciting at all. So it just lost me by that point, uh, by the second episode actually. So again, also a somewhat lackluster protagonist and, and boring, entertaining for someone who's not in that world. So pass for me. Now, for the shows I decided to keep, uh, first up, this one was I knew from the beginning I was going to watch, uh, Birdie Wing. It's my long-awaited seasonal anime about golf, as someone who played golf for like 10 years of my life growing up. Um, Survivor Days, uh, the, uh, the the OVA sort we had in winter barely counts. Um, now, is Birdie Wing the most accurate depiction of golf ever? At least in my experience, no. Uh, games of golf played with tons of money on the line with a mercenary golf player who doesn't call himself a professional even though he's only playing to make money. He only uses three clubs with a semi-superpowered sots named after colors that have different skills um, and, and whatnot. Absolutely not realistic for my experience. But it's kind of in that heightened semi semi like breaking the laws of physics way that skate the infinity wars for, for skateboarding um where you know it's a very loose and uh loose uh play loose and fast with the laws of physics and more playing for the rule of cool um but you know i think you know enough golf lingo is in there that i appreciate it you know the 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 kind of like superpower not to the pure absurdity but also kind of like okay that's a little bit much but i i'm willing to, to give it benefit of the doubt a little bit you know frankly golf is a bit of a dull game to watch even for some Someone who like me who appreciates the finer nuances of golf, which is someone who has zero experience with it. So you know, I, I think if you have to give it a little bit of an extra oomph to make it be interesting to people um, with a little bit of color and impact, you know, go for it. Um, from the first episode, again, I knew I was going to watch Birdie Wing no matter where it was going to go, and you know, I'm not disappointed so far. Uh, the other show that took me like three episodes to actually convince me to keep was Ao Asi, which is a soccer anime. Now, it's far from the first soccer anime. Um, you know, the, the premise is pretty cliche, kind of even, similar to Love All Play. Uh, kid from the boonies, you know, a lot of talent. He's given a chance to move to Tokyo, and so he's more than, he's more than a big fist in a small pond um, and really grow as a, as a player. There are some key differences here, though. First, it pays def, uh, deference to both the micro and macro elements of soccer. Well, Love All Play didn't really get into like all the details of like how to play play uh play play badminton here you know as someone who does not play soccer does barely understands like the ins and outs of soccer. all i know is you're kicking one ball from one end to the other um without using your hands um here they went into the micro of like how football is of how footwork is important how ball handling is important one specific move you can do is ball handling and why it's so such a big deal to pull it off a specific move right and showing how the character works on that is so important right um on the macro end of things you know it also shows how team composition team chemistry player positioning team Work, player versus player interactions impact overall outcomes of games. In fact, the main character's quote unquote special skill uh, is going to be this like is this uncanny knowledge of understanding how a field is set up uh, and laid out and then making strategizing around that in the moment. Um, again, it's not quite yet to the observed degree of like air gear or Prince of Tennis, um, but it's feasible, it's still feasibly realistic to some degree. Um, but you know, who knows if they push that a little bit further. Now, you know, that's the mechanical aspect that I crave from. So there are references to real-life soccer players that go over my head until I check out discussion forums, but that just shows how much the studio really cares about and puts into this production and the passion they have for it. Beyond the micro and the, the love for the game, right? Again, it's not just a typical high school experience where the, the peak of, of performance is you know, making the national tournaments, right? Um, this one is place plays our protagonist is essentially joining the junior reserve of a pro team, um, making him essentially his journey to being a pro as opposed to you know being a high school player, right? Um, and it's a whole new angle of ambition and, and the stakes are a lot higher, frankly. Um, but yeah, and also shows, again, the mechanics of how the world of soccer works outside of the game. At the end of the day, though, you know, the animation also of how the soccer here is also just so smooth. Again, if you're going to show the micro of, of ball play, showing that is, is so important. They pull that off really well. Throwing some characters with you know, wild personalities and good chemistry. You've got something I think finally might be getting into soccer. 
Uh, finally, of course, we cannot talk about the season without mentioning the elephant in the room, which I couldn't put into any other genre, but uh, Spy X Family, or Spy Family, is the third highest-selling manga series in the first half of 2022, uh, behind Jujutsu Kaisen and Tokyo Revengers, and ahead of One Piece at number four, arguably one of the two biggest headlining series of Jump's digital offerings, the other being Chainsaw Man, this is always going to get a big adaptation. You know, Adding a co-production by Studio Wit and Cloverworks, direction by the man behind the 1999 Hunter Hunter series and Ruoni Kenshin, high thing was through the roof. Um, in good reason. You know, Again, this is one where I've read the manga, uh, I've kept up with it since it ever came out a couple of years ago, and seeing it on the screen is, I think, everything I, everything I think everyone wanted, and even more, with you know, multiple animal, anime original scenes and, and flourishes and such. Now, be it the source material or the typical wits to adaptation quality, um, this is easy, I think, early on in contention for anime of the season out of the boat. Now, others have already said you know more about it eloquently, and you know, odds are if there was one so from the season you're already aware of, it's probably this one. Um, so I'll just quit yapping now. Just, again, add my voice to the chorus of Watts Spy Family. Uh, so yeah, that's my spring 2022 anime season first impressions. Only about, again, two-thirds of the way through the season. Uh, to recap real quickly, I'm watching in order from Monday through Sunday. On Tuesday, uh, Birdie Wing, uh, Golf Girl Story. On Thursday, uh, your boy Kong Ming on High Dive, uh, Miss Satiku and uh, Little and Little Baby Girl Ghost, uh, which I watched, I picked up after three episodes. Uh, also on Thursday is to be a real heroine. Uh, also, uh, also after three episodes, uh, Friday Kaguya-sama season three, as well as John Tamapong the Sword, and then Executioner in the Way of Life uh, from High Dive, which took me three episodes to pick up on. Um, and then on Saturday we have Spy Family, and then Awasi um, again three episodes, and then on Sunday Otomi Game is live. Life, for, uh, life in the Tommy game is tough for mobs. Um, that is nine full-length shows this season with one sort, um, two of which are on high dive. Now, I also have a couple shows on hold. Again, nothing I want to drop quite yet, but you know, I gave them three episodes, and you know, considering, and I'll, it'll depend on how much time I cons- I have left to watch them. Now, this is roughly in order of shows. If I do have time more, I'm going to watch them. First up will be the Imon, um, and then Love After World Domination, um, Skeleton Hero in Another World, Skeleton Knight in Another World. Um, I'm quitting Heroing on High Dive, Healer Girl, and then Onipan the Sword on High Dive. That's full five full length additional shows. Uh, one sword, two again of which are on High Dive. Um, so yeah, and all the other shows, you know, which are, are, I'm dropping, and I'm not going to mention them by name, but yeah, the, everything else I haven't mentioned, I'm probably dropping at this point. Um, so yeah, now, like I said, it's been a while since my last episode, so some extra content to tidy over. Um, first, we'll talk about shows and movies I've watched lately um, and, and marked as completed on my My Anime list, and some quick thoughts on them, a quick ranking, lightning round quick. Um, I mentioned Survival, Survival Utility, um, you know, which is a golf OVA from Winter. Four out of five for me, you know, cute girls doing golf things, which could be a little bit full, full of series, but hey, we have that uh, this season this season in Birdie uh, Girl, but hey, maybe a, a more grounded, realistic version, you know, would be cute to see. Um, next up, we have Kyo and Kyoto, which is the year-long 12-episode monthly series that was ultimately basically cute girls uh, in uh, cute girls, one of who wants to be a geisha, one of or uh, uh, and one of who is uh, the the cook at the geisha house. Um, rather tame, right? But you know, it was easy to follow along with because some good some good food scenes. Uh, overall, three out of five. Um, I already talked about in previous episodes, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Uh, four out of five overall prequel to the Jujutsu Kaisen, typical dope mappa animation, fun fan service. Um, I watched Bell in the movie, Mamamo Hosoda's latest film. Bit of all over the place screenplay-wise, but gorgeous themes, uh, gorgeous animation, chilling music. Not his best work overall, but in specific areas, it is his best work. Uh, three out of five overall. Um, I watched Paprika and Perfect Blue, Satoshi Khan films um, that are simply perfect in every way and proof that he was taken from us too soon. Both both five out of five. Um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, not a full anime, but uh, it's a promotional sort uh, for the Magic the Gathering set uh, that recently came out and based on the cyberpunk magical version of Japan. Um, I'm biased as I love playing Magic the Gathering, and this is my favorite set of all time, basically. Um, but I mean, with studio with animation also was a fun to watch. Um, I think I gave this one like a four out of five, but you know, again, it's a sort, so it doesn't really matter too much. Um, and then 86, um, so uh, the first season of 86 was actually airing in the fall, but unfortunately got delayed due to production issues. Um, those production issues were great, and also, I think, putting it off uh, to, to watch, um, you know, I, I ended up not watching, like, the last four episodes before the before the, the delay, um, and then the last two came out after the delay, so I just watched all six back-to-back, which is, you know, not having to deal with that, that three-month time skip uh, uh, wait uh, was really great, especially where they put the, the, the cliffhanger there. 
frankly, I think it's it is one of, if not the best directed modern anime uh, in recent the last decade I can think of. Um, you know, the emotional buildup, the payoff, especially in the last few episodes, were just frankly kind of sublime. I can't wait to see a season three announced. Um, it had everything: action, animation, heart, direction, character. Um, you you name it. I, I think honestly, this is this is definitely up there um, for for top anime of of you know a, of a season. I don't know. Maybe I should go back and give it to. Uh, the, the winter out, who knows? Anyway, on top of that, those are all the shows that I've completed. Let's talk about some shows from the winter season, uh, which I haven't, because I did not watch the season, winter season, I didn't get to give any grades for and impressions of. Um, now, the season is complete, so I'll actually just be going uh, in order of Mal score um, and give what my plans are and my thoughts on the first episodes if I watch them. Um, I won't go over every show, just those that I had some interest in, in here. Um, so first up, Demon Slayer 2, um, 8.88 on Mal. It's an all-right anime series, frankly. I mean, I acknowledge that Ufu Table basically has dominance in animation, uh, elevated the manga with their technique. That being said, knowing it's a long-running sonen with a lot more coming down the pipeline, I'm in no hurry to, to be up to date with right this minute, um, but I eventually will finish that at some point. Um, similarly, we have Attack on Titan Season 4, Part 2, uh, 8.86 on Mal. Again, what a title. Uh, somehow they didn't finish the the final season in here, so it's going to be a Season 4, Part 3 uh, at this point. Um, anyway, uh, Attack on Titan, again, is a monument in anime community, and I will finish it at some point. Um, just not right the second, knowing another season is yet to come. Frankly, I think it should have been a movie. Um, but also, you know, I'm caught up on the manga, so there's really no rush for me um, to try to catch up and not be spoiled, since, again, I know everything happening. Um, Dress Up Darling, 8.38. Um, obviously, this is the highest scoring non-sequel of the season. So this one, I think you're already on your radar, but you know, between what I've seen of Best Girl Marin, a focus on cosplay, and just the idea of loving something that you're really interested to where you want to share it with others, I know I'm going to catch up on this one. Definitely don't be afraid. I think I'll try to watch this this season as well. Um, next up, we have Akebi-chan, 7.79, beautifully animated from Cloverworks, um, though it's just about cute girls in middle school um, with some slightly uncomfortable close-up of feet, slightly double-guessing whether or not my actual intent of, what the actual intent of the show is. As a Sakuga appreciator, I gotta give this a, a few more episodes at least before I get fully, if I get kicked out or not to bounce enough or not, um, but we'll see. Um, 7.44 goes to Salaryman Club, which I already talked about why I'm watching this one over Love Play. I'll play this season, so I'll just continuing on. And it's actually continuing on in the second half of the season, uh, this season. So we'll be, uh, you can catch up there. Um, we have Saibuki Bisco, 7.2 on Mal, a kind of bizarre dystopian adventure that's a world that's on mushrooms, both literally with, how, with, with mushrooms in the world and also figuratively with how insane the energy here is. I need to read some summaries, I think, to see if it ends on a somewhat conclusive, satisfying note or, uh, or not, if it ends up being something like Sakugan a couple seasons ago, but you know, a few more episodes at the very least won't hurt. Um, Fantasy Visoju uh, Jinku Ojisan uh, is a 7.21 agenda bent comedy isekai, which is already a little bit twist on the formula. Um, you know, two guys get reincarnated, one gets turned into a girl, and now they have to not be attracted to each other. Um, kind of funny, I guess. Um, not sure if the humor will end up being enough to keep me going on it, so I think I need a few more episodes to figure out if it's my speed is necessary. Um, let's see, Koritsu from the Monster Development Department, 6.79. Similar to Love uh, All, Love After World Domination without the romance, so basically just a send-up of the Tokuchatsu series uh, with a weird mix of like work, workplace uh, setting shows. Um, I need more info to see if this is actually interesting beyond the premise, though, but, uh, you know, again, I think this is worth at least a couple more episodes. Um, we have Senmori the Animation, 6.78. I have, actually have not seen the first ep episode of this one yet. Um, only the barest memories of watching someone play the original game when I was a kid. Um, though I do love Super Eye Patch, both uh, Passan and his, and his videos for the series. So my decision is actually pending watching the first episode. Um, we have Q, 6.44, it's a show about the anime industry focusing on voice actor section. Now, the first episode shows off a different, how different VA performances can actually impact the interpretation of a scene. And in fact, it was a bit of a revelation, right? I, I, like, I know voice acting is something important. Um, I know when there's good voice acting and when not good voice acting, but really like seeing it placed back to back, how they were doing a scene of Hamlet and two characters did it one way, two characters did it another way, and you really got a different sense. Like you would hear it in the voices. Um, on top of what they showed on screen. Now, granted, it is a lot of characters in here, so it might be hard for them to juggle all the character satisfying development or not. If there's enough of actual education of the of the voice acting industry on top of that, um, maybe that'll be enough for me to keep it. Um, it is technically left over this season as well, so it's not yet quite done. 
uh, 6.36 goes to Tokyo 24 Um This is, has an impressive double length first episode with an interesting premise of how Tokyo is divided up into different factions and different in different districts and the people are vying for control of a, of a specific district um, in both covert and overt ways. However, I've heard this one had a pretty troubled production. I'm not sure how it turned out, so I need to read up first before I, I, I invest myself into this one. Um, and then we have the strongest sage with the weakest crest, 6.24. Basically, another misfit of the Death Academy wannabe. Um, honestly, I can't remember why I thought this one was good. Um, I just want to give it three episodes based on my notes, but you know, it's the worst ranked full length show from Winter I didn't outright drop, so I guess I shouldn't have my hopes up, honestly. And um, then finally, we have a, a sort, uh, I'm Kodama Kawasiri, 5.64. It's a two-minute sort uh, about a lazy, unhealthy mangaka, which, frankly, a minute and a half of it is actually just the OP, so it's really just 30 seconds. Um, honestly, I mean, it's, it's 30 seconds. It's entertaining enough. Why not? Now, there are some sequels uh, or second half of things I wanted to catch up on but haven't yet the chance to um, with the first season, uh, which is Osama Ranking, 8.64 on Mal, uh, Vanitas No Karde, 8.21, and then Realist Hero Season 2, which I mentioned, 7.47 on Mal. Um, this one's actually also on only on Funimation, which, you know, there are also shows on Funimation, which I wanted to see, but unfortunately, I ended up uh, <laughs> canceling my Funimation account, so now I can't get to them because everything combined. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm not going to, and I'm not going to like resub the Funimation just for these. So, you know, we had uh, Sasaki Tomiwano, uh, 8.27, which is a boys' love series. Not typically my thing, frankly, but I think it avoided a lot of the tropes that made boys most boys' love kind of not a, not, not my thing. Um, we have uh, Slow Loop 7.25, which is the cute girls doing fishing things, kind of like uh, the one from a couple of seasons ago, whose name I forget. But hey, more of that seems fun. And then Tribe 9, which is 6.08, a dystopian, heightened, and hyper-fictionalized version of baseball a la skate to a really absurd degree. Now, you know, if I didn't mention it, or otherwise that means it's either a sequel or something I had no interest in, or it was just bad, you know, those would be, you know, Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Kingdom Out of Debt, Police in the Pod, In the Land of Lidl, or Love, Love of Kill, Orient, The Pupil of the Wise Men, Dolls Frontline, Ninjala, Futsal Boys, Requiem of the Rose King, and Rusted Armor. So no, I don't even want to go into what all those are about. Um, as far as for winter, you know, aside from Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, which I think I'll get to at some point down the road, the most urgent to see, obviously, is Dress Up Doll, and then Salary Man's Club and Saibuki Bisco in a tier below that. Um, Slow Loop also, but again, that's on Funimation. Um, Akebi-chan, Q, Fantasy Bisojo, and Sewana no Tomiwano is more promising, but needs more episodes to check out, with, again, some stuck on Funimation. And then Tokyo 24Q, Senmue, Sikaku Koromon, uh, Miss Koritsu, and Tribe 9 are the least prioritized. Uh, Trump, Tribe 9 again being on Funimation. And that, that's everything from the spring and winter anime that caught my eye this year. Um, there was, of course, the stuff from 2021 overall I still need to cut up on. Um, I have to finish Aquatope, Osama Ranking, Vanitas No Karde, Realist Hero, about 13 other shows also, um, including some stuff on Funimation like Sunny Boy, Tsuki no Laika, Annoying Senpai, um, let's see, Banners from the Party, Heiki Monogatari. There's also various Dongwa, Netflix shows, YouTube OV, ONAs, and other projects I have in mind. I know it's a lot. Trust me, I, I definitely feel that. But uh, hopefully, you know, I think I, I can get through it sooner rather than later. Uh, what do you think? What should I prioritize? Should I be finishing up? What's, uh, what are the spring shows that I should be watching? What are the winter shows I should try to catch up on? Um, or is there stuff from last year that I didn't get to finish that I should catch up on? You know, let me know. Um, you can do so over on Twitter at YetAnimePod at uh, uh, on Twitter or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at gmail.com. My, my anime list is NinjaBoy333. Finally updated, boy with an I. Uh, we found we found all the major podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review or at the very least it with another anime-loving friend. You can support us on Patreon. Links to all that will be in the show notes. Intro and music by Suichi Sakagami, Tandas.com. Editing production by NinjaBoy Media. That's it for this episode. We are about twice a month, still figuring out the exact schedule uh, recent, uh, as of recently. But uh, next time on yet another anime podcast, we'll be looking at manga from Weekly Sonin Jump of the 2000s. But until then, see you, Space Cowboy.